Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the company's brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Learn more at businessofcannabis.ca. Our BFC Live guest today is Allison Gordon. She is the former CEO of 48 North, of course, but now has a new venture called Other People's Pot, a boutique sales agency. We wanted to connect with her to hear all about it. Allison Gordon, nice to see you. Nice to see you, Jay. <laughs> um, I saw a post. Uh, yeah. I think it was, well, one was on LinkedIn and certainly one was on Instagram that you have something called OPP. And I've wanted for my whole life to do something like this. I, I know so. it's always other. P is for people. Scratch your temple. The last <laughs> P, well, that is simple. That, that's pot. So yeah. uh, other people's pot. Tell me what that is. Okay, well, in the most simplest terms, Other People's Pot is a boutique sales agency. So, you know, like everything Allison Gordon in cannabis, it's obviously more complex, but at its heart, that's what we're about. We're about helping LPs or brands get their product sold into the province, sold into stores, and then sold through to consumers, which sounds simple, but I think you're quite aware it's not the case. Well, it's not simple. It, it, it is both not simple today. It has not been simple in the past and it will no. be more complex in the future, I think, as um, I mean, one complexity is there's more brands, more LPs uh, and a lot more micros. Yeah. Uh, more complex, I think, maybe primarily because there's going to be way more retailers. And yeah. that to me makes the job of getting product to consumers more complicated for brands and LPs because there's just way more ground to cover. Is that sort of part of the thinking? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think the more stores is a good thing. The whole entire industry needs more uptake. Like we need more people buying legal weed, obviously, and more accessibility is great. And the variety that you could have with these stores is also a good thing. The challenge, of course, is the system, right? So as it stands today, if we look at Ontario, the Ontario Cannabis Store, the OCS, it sits in the middle. They're curating the listings and retail is pulling from them. So it doesn't create such an opportunity for these stores to have very different offerings yet. Obviously we understand the OCS is going to have a flow through model. Um, you know, We obviously need more details about how that's gonna work, but that part is exciting for Ontario for sure. But then in other provinces, you have the same situation. So. I don't think more stores is a problem. More stores in the same locations is not great. No, I think it's great. I mean, it's great. My neighborhood, it is like great for me because I have like five stores and soon to be six uh, within like a block, which maybe that's oh a God. lot of concentration for a sort of West End neighborhood, but it's going to be great for sort of consumer choice. But the part what I was sort of more thinking is like for a brand, to think about how to access this ever-growing number of stores, you know, when they're really focused on growing the product or branding the product and not getting, you know, and then they don't have a full sort of sales team knocking on doors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so exactly. That's, you know, just to give you the impetus, once I had departed 48 North, which is almost going on a year in March, just before or as COVID was hitting, which is crazy. Um, you know, for me, I wasn't done with cannabis. I love weed. I've always loved weed. I'm you know, a daily user. I have a vision for what we can do with this industry in terms of 
getting people to see that that cannabis is not a scary gateway drug, all of that stuff that came with prohibition. And I didn't think that was done. And I wasn't done. It was just really a question of where do I want to play? What excites me? All of that. And as I started to think about brands and products that I have wanted to do, then I thought, well, who's going to sell me? <laughs> and as I looked out into the landscape, I realized that I'm sure there's a lot of great agencies out there, but many of them, many of them, almost most that I know come from alcohol and tobacco. And for me, fundamentally, you know, Jay, I've spoken to you about this many times. The government puts us in that type of category. I don't see cannabis as being like alcohol and tobacco. And there are sort of logistical reasons, like for example, we're a sales agency, but we don't technically take the sale. Right. So that in and of itself is hugely different. So your objectives are different. And while, of course, there's lots of stores and so boots on the ground or what I like to say is it's not necessarily about boots on the ground. You need people to cover off the amount of stores that are out there. But the truth be told, it's just a completely different landscape. I mean, we can talk about bud tenders. We can talk about all of what makes cannabis different. And what I like to say is if you had somebody working in an alcohol store as passionate as most of the tenders are, you'd say, what's wrong with that person? So, <laughs> you know, I think that that just makes it really, really different and that you are having to build brand, build engagement, be exciting, provide value for these retailers, because truth be told, it's a struggle, right? We just said there's many of them. So, I don't think it's just about dropping off sell sheets and dropping off swag. I don't believe that that can really build the engagement with the retailer, the bud tenders, and then ultimately the consumer. So that's where it was like, all right, let's, let's do this. So the opportunity to do something and partner with Amy Weinstein, who you know, and I'm sure many of your listeners know, it was like, okay, let's go. Amy's yeah. so awesome. And our whole team, I'll tell you about, they're just such an incredible group of people who have a huge depth of experience in the cannabis space. And that's the other piece too. It's, it's like, I understand the operational challenges. So we can create demand. I have no problem knowing that we can work with the people that know us and love us, that we know and love out in the retail landscape and the boards, but can, how many LPs and brands can actually fulfill on the operational side, which is why we're looking at doing this in a boutique way. We really want to curate a small group of great, great products, great brands who can operationally deliver. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, I mean, zooming out a bunch because you, yeah. you've been in the, in the weeds, sorry, pun, but for, <laughs> for a long time. And like, yeah. I've seen it, I've seen almost it. eight years. I know you're like, you're, it's, you're not old enough to have been in that long. Um, but, okay. but, and the industry is not like now, I think, I mean, like maybe this is the beginning of what's next. And that is like, you know, full-fledged retail where people can actually choose their stores and what's in the, in, you know, full-fledged products are closer to it. Obviously tweaks here and there, normalization. And then let's imagine like post-COVID world, a lot of things will hit stride almost at the same time. And I think it is like the experience of people who've seen where it's been, where it is and where it's going that can help lead the way for like a lot of the brands, even a lot of the retailers, like what products do people want? How do we get them to those people? And how do we actually help them sell those things? Is well, and that is extremely complex because you are selling three times. You're selling to the provincial boards, 
then it must sell through the retail and then you have to sell to the consumer. And I think we can all say there's not a ton of brand affinity to date. Like I think people are starting to know what they like, but I don't believe that anybody walks out of a store because they don't have a particular brand. And if the store is great and the bud tenders are great, they're gonna say, well, we don't have that, but we have this, which is very similar. So. You're getting a FaceTime call. Or, or you have a cell phone from 1999. Oh my God. I, I don't, my cell phone's off, but I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> That's fine. Can you tell me we're going to, what do I do? Maybe it's the Bluetooth. Hold no, it's on. Good. It's good. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I, I'm excited to what, to what you're talking about. I'm excited to hear what, what comes next. And I, I wanted to sort of have you on sort of talk about it and, and people know how to reach you. I mean, you're, yeah, yeah I, it's at other people's pod on Instagram. And right now on our website, we're really just trying to get people to sign up and be part of the OPP community because that's the other thing I feel. I feel like these retailers and bud tenders, many of who we speak with, they're overwhelmed with the amount of sales call that come in. Like it's just overwhelming. You can't think of another industry. Imagine food, cookies, anything where everybody's launching in the same year it's crazy for them. And there's closets filled in these retailers with point of sale displays. They don't necessarily have the room for it. So for us, we were like, we want to take a much more strategic approach. You've said yourself, most LPs and brands cannot supply the entire market of even one province, let alone the fact that they're in multiple provinces. So this idea that you need to go to every single store to make them understand your brand and hope to carry it, it's just in my mind, it's not gonna work. In the ideal world, your products would be always in stock at the same stores. Right. And so being strategic about that and tiering your approach to sales, I think is absolutely critical because it doesn't really work if a consumer comes in, loves your product, goes back, it's sold out because every single store has a small you know, amount of your product in there. So it's, it's very, very challenging. And it does also start with the board. So I agree with you, I've been there. Obviously, in my role as CEO of 48 North, we sold to Quebec, we sold to Manitoba, we sold to Saskatchewan, BC, Alberta, understanding what those boards want. Like, you've got to be there. You, I don't believe you can, as a sales agency, just start at the retail side. Even if your clients have the listings, by understanding how you can be a good partner to the boards, I mean, that has to be such a key piece to it all. It's yeah, not- it's so complex. It is not linear in any particular no. way and but i think the way you framed it sort of those three different tiers is absolutely critical it's good to see that uh, uh you and folks like you uh on your team are are focused on that and how to help how, how to help on all those ends right like i think all three levels of what you've talked about are super critical and, and also i think the operations as i said are really key right so you may have a great client that is small they want to be bigger you've created demand can you help them, which we can through our relationships, look into contract growing, figure out where to focus their energy and efforts. I think, Jay, we've seen this, we've talked about it. People want to be in every single category. And I've always felt you got to focus. And if you're going to have a brand, the portfolio needs to make sense. So being able to look and say, how do we help you increase margin? Um, Not just by doing the sale, but what are things that we can help you on I'm not going to come in and run your operations by any stretch of the imagination. That's, 
you know, I think why I'm not <laughs> in the LP world, but at the same time, I don't like, I only know one way to do things, which is things that I'm passionate about and that I understand. And so for me, being able to bring that knowledge and experience to people who are in the market or entering into market is key. So, and that's the point as well. There's some really great outfits out there. Like one of our clients, actually Prairie Grass, they're not yet in market. And it's wicked because we're able to help them figure out what is going to be their product portfolio, help them around the licensing as they're moving forward. And then to be able to do the sales, like we, our team is truly invested in what they're all about. So. Alison, I don't want to ask or pry, but can you tell us who else you might be working with? Yeah. So as I said, we're really trying to curate a great group. And for us, great is we, our slogan is good weed is good business. And good weed can mean a lot of things. Does it mean it's the best, best best weed at the highest price? No, it means it's the right weed at the right price, great brand, something exciting there. So two of our clients that I can speak about that are great. One is Denalio, who I'm sure that you've heard of. I think they have the capacity to be the largest gummy maker in the world with regards to infused gummy. And that's so critical to what we were saying about operations, right? To be able to go out there with their Sunshower brand and their Dynathrive brand and be able to say, hey, these can always be in stock. You know, again, that starts with the board, but for retailers, again, they want to know that if they're selling something great through to their clients, their customers, they can come back and get it. So for us, like that was a no brainer. Their gummies are unbelievable. We will send you some Jay. And we've actually just signed with a brand, which I'm super excited about called Pool Boy. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, you know. No, totally. We uh, from 314 Pure Cannabis. No, we know them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for us, that was another no brainer. Jess McCann, who is also one of our founders, she was like, Allison, can you call Pool Boy? Can you call Pool Boy? I'm like, I don't know anybody there. And called up, spoke to Clay and just was like, you have created an amazing brand. They have great following, especially among women and the LGBT community, which is exciting for us because we really are still committed to building diversity, which is, as I'm sure you're well aware, not so much the case here, but yeah, Pool Boy, which is right now in Saskatchewan, Alberta, BC, and then hopefully we'll launch them in Ontario. So. It's so funny. Uh, we had an event on Wednesday uh, and someone from 314, uh, their general manager is also involved in the Mount Royal University uh, cannabis education program and so we're talking to him and I was saying I, I the words came, I love the pool boy uh, <laughs> came out of my mouth on Wednesday um, but it, but it is true it's a really unique brand and it, it is really bang on and so that that's all great news and that's why I wanted to ask because I think it is this idea about like right brand right market and again getting it to boards getting it from boards to, to retailers getting it from retailers to actually move it with yeah, and when they're you know you have a situation like Denalio their capacity is so huge so yeah. We know we can create that demand. And what the product that they're creating, I think is superior. It's just, to me, they sent a bunch of uninfused uh, gummies to me in their flavors. And it's like, literally like you're eating the fuzzy pieces or any of that. So to me, that's super critical. And then on the pool boy side, not the largest LP, but they're getting awesome traction. So how do we help them sort of grow into these provinces? And that's where it's like, call us, we need partnerships. Yeah. Not well, it's, and also we've had this conversation too, uh, both when we're in Toronto, but also I think we had this conversation in Las Vegas and especially around like Denalio and really great brands, but gummies in particular, it's almost as if more mature markets, the, the market for gummies is insatiable. 
Like, yeah, yeah. Like even it's still growing in Colorado. Like it's just people love. Well, love it, it, like, look, the gummies are fun. And when they're properly, which, you know, in the legal market, obviously tested. The interesting thing about Denalio and the Sunshower brand is that Sunshower comes from the legacy market and they were doing testing back then. Right. So it was known as right. being more accurate. And it's funny because friends will be over and they're eating a chocolate that says it's 80 milligrams. And I'm like, there is no way you just ate 80 milligrams. And so to me, like the fun part too, because I'm not a huge edible, like I have a very low tolerance is that theirs are just two, like five at two milligrams. So I can eat all of them. Yeah, That's great. Like, like it's also, you know, right? I think the world like, and, and let's project in a world where we're going to shows again and we are out and God about. God willing, God willing. I know, I know, but like that, that market will really, I mean, it's, it's going gangbusters now, but I think there'll really be this exploration about how do we enjoy our time even more now that we are out of lockdown, whenever that's going to happen. But, um, well, I'm excited to watch it grow, to watch the team uh, thrive. And it's always good to connect with you, Allison. And um, I look forward to a time where we could start seeing you again in person. Um, that'll happen at some point, I think. Um, but thank you for being here. We'll, we'll share with how to get in touch with you and, and the OPP team. And anytime I can uh, quote naughty by nature, uh, in, in the morning. I'm happy. I'm happy about that. So Allison Gordon, thanks so much. Good luck in the new venture. Thanks, Jay. Our work is made possible with the ongoing support of our official partners, including Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Gallagher, and Torque and Mains.